Hey, creep. I want to tell you a tale, if you're ready to hear it. It may not be pleasant. It may not end the way you want it to. But this story is gripping and as fascinating as it is shockingly horrifying. Are you ready? My name's Cole, and you're listening to Tales. Today we are going to revisit a story I covered on the Tales by Cole Patreon many, many months ago. I think it's an important story to share with you creeps because, frankly, crimes in or against the homosexual community are largely underreported. I'm not a reporter, but what I can tell you is the story is dictated by the facts. It covers the inherent shame individuals who feel isolated from their communities because of their sexuality are forced to feel, and it deals with the discomfort and apathy that those scenarios are treated with by law enforcement, and moreover, the true crime community as a whole. I do not call out any individual specifically, but the subtext is very clearly there in this episode. In the fairness of inclusivity today, I would like to state that the crimes committed in this episode were done so by an individual with severe mental health problems. I'm not in the habit of making disclaimers, as I believe all you creeps are smart enough to know exactly what it is you're getting into when you click on this podcast. But I do want to state for the record that I do not believe those with mental illness are inherently dangerous, nor do I want this episode to bring light to the issues within certain communities while perpetrating misconceptions in another. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Every human on earth has some level of mental illness. For some, it's benign, an irrational need to knock on wood when you feel as if someone has jinxed you. For others, it's debilitating, such as OCD or schizophrenia. But having mental illness doesn't make a person dangerous, and we shouldn't think of them as such. Nor should being a member of the LGBTQ plus community have to make you more vulnerable than the rest. In today's episode of Tales by Cole, which was originally presented as two separate 911 Calls with Cole episodes, I want to tell you creeps about Mark Latunsky, otherwise known as the Grinder Cannibal. 911. 911. 911. Address of your emergency. Where is your emergency? Where is your emergency? Hey creeps, welcome to 911 Calls with Cole. Each episode, we will listen to a 911 call and explore the stories and crimes surrounding them. Now, before we get started, check the front door. Is it locked? Okay, good. Now you can relax, sit back as I tell you about the Grinder Cannibal. Mark Latunsky was a smart, well-educated man, a provider, the kind of egg-headed scientific individual you wouldn't mind a daughter or friend dating. Mark attended Central Michigan University from 1987 to 1991, before then transferring to Iowa State University to earn his master's degree in chemistry in 1995. In 2001, Mark married his girlfriend Emily, and together they had four children. He owned his house, and even applied and was granted permission to add an additional 8 foot by 20 foot living space in his basement. On the outside, his life was as American and as wholesome as apple pie. But Mark was starting to slip mentally. 
In 2010 and 2012, Mark was diagnosed with reoccurring severe chronic bouts of major depression with psychotic features, as well as adjustment disorder with depression and anxiety and paranoid schizophrenia and borderline personality disorder. Mark's conditions were able to be treated with proper medication, but he rarely took them. These mental ailments slowly but surely robbed Emily of the man she married. And in 2013, Emily and Mark got divorced. And due to his mental illnesses and his instability, he was only granted occasional visitation with his kids. Emily, Mark Latunsky's ex-wife said, when he doesn't take his medications, he'll watch torture and horror movies, talk to himself, stay out all night, threaten to get rid of his children's animals, claim our son isn't our child and fail to shower and shave. Other filings made by Emily show that he'd kidnapped his own children by failing to follow custody plans, kept her and her children from leaving their home, and made frivolous claims to child protective services and claimed Emily, along with her brother, were trying to poison a well in an attempt to murder him. In a 2013 interaction with police, Mark was found pretending to be unconscious in his father's home. He even went so far as calling himself William Gregory Dean and claimed he murdered Mark Latunsky with the stroke of a pen. After his divorce, his illness, and his unwillingness to try and right the ship, Mark still refused to take his medication. Then in 2019, Emily successfully filed to have Mark revoked of all parental visitation rights, and his employers then fired him for not taking his medication as prescribed. Only a few years previously, Mark had had it all. A family, a home, a wonderful job, well-educated, the works. But now Mark found himself spiraling out of control, unbeknownst to himself, robbed of his self-awareness by the multitude of mental illnesses that had manifested in him. October 2019, Michigan. A man from New York was on a business trip. Mark and the unidentified man met at a bus stop in Michigan and Mark Latunsky started flirting with him. John Doe, the unidentified man, was bisexual and was enjoying the conversation and attention. He and Mark seemed to be connecting and hitting it off, so John got into Mark's car to have a better conversation and see where the fortuitous meeting and the night might take him. From there, the two men made their way to a restaurant for a drink and continued to get to know one another. And that was the last thing John says he remembers from their meeting. The next thing John remembered was waking up in Mark's basement with a leather strap around his ankle, which was attached to a chain that was meant to prevent him from leaving. It isn't clear how, but John got a butcher's knife and used it to cut the leather strap and free himself. And he quickly fled Mark's home with the butcher's knife still in hand, running outside to find help while he dialed 911. Hey, Wassie, name one. Where's your emergency? Um, this is going to sound insane. Um, I'm here in Detroit. I'm from New York. And I met this guy at the bus station who offered me a ride. And I'm not even sure where I am. But I broke out of this fucking basement and I need a ride. Okay. I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble. I can't find my way back to his place if I wanted to. Um, I don't know if you can take me a signal. I'm from New York. I'm walking down the street with a picture of my sweetheart. I need help. Okay, I'm going to get you help. Are you walking down the street right now? Yes, ma'am, I am. I'm passing a barn. It's all beautiful here. You're passing what? A barn. I don't know what street I'm on. Can you pay me around? Okay, it looks like I can. What's your name? Yes, ma'am. Okay. And I can't believe her. I don't know where I am. I don't, I don't know. Like... 
I never ever had anything like this happen. I don't know whether he drugged me. I don't know. I woke up in the fucking basement, okay? Chained in the basement with a leather thing on my ankle, and I cut it with the butcher knife that I have in my freaking hand. Excuse my French. Okay. Do you have anything on you right now? Um, I have my phone. I'm sorry, what? Are you carrying anything? Uh, A butcher knife. Until I see a police officer. When I see a police officer, I will throw it. Until then, I don't trust that he's not walking up because I got lost, and I don't even know if I'm headed towards his house or not. That's why I'm dialing 911. I would have just kept walking until I hit main road, but I'm lost. So I don't even know if I'm headed back towards his house. I just woke up in a basement and he was chained to something, so he cut the chain off. I cut the leather strap that had the chain. What are you wearing? I am wearing black jeans, a black hoodie, Jordan's. 3513, send that to me as well. Okay. I, I just want to get out of here, and I want to go home. I don't even care about the legal case I was here for. I'm sorry I can't help them. I want to go home. Okay. All right. Listen, I've got help on the way. What were you here for? Uh, I'm a volunteer co-advocate. I came here to help on the CSC meeting, and I was supposed to be meeting them at the bus station. I met this guy. I'm by. He was cute. He hit on me. I know. We went out to the car. We dropped. Uh, we went to the store. had a soda. I woke up in the basement. Okay. He obviously drugged me. Okay, when I get a trooper close to you, I'm going to need you to put that butcher knife down, though. Oh, that's not an issue, sweetie. We're about flying into the woods. Okay. Your officer is in no danger. I've been a public You don't need to throw it in the year. woods, but but I just don't want it on you. Is there anything else on you at all? Just, um, I don't even know if I have my cigarettes. <laughs> okay. And you don't have a bag or anything else? No, I don't have my bag, no, sweetie. Okay. Okay. I'm going to switch it to my wallet with my hoodie. Okay. Yes, ma'am, and that's something I don't tell anybody. I mean, you can you can run me, you can check me out. You're an advocate. I'm sorry, I'm nervous. That's but okay. Over over 26 years at 400 Carlton Avenue, Central Islip, New York. All my friends told me not. You don't go. Why are you going to Detroit to help people? What's wrong with you? Because people need help. No kidding. You're a ways from Detroit, you know. Yes, sweetheart, I don't okay. know. I was supposed to be meeting these people in Flint. I met this guy in here, and he seemed like a nice guy. He points outside like he wanted to talk. I got outside. He goes, oh, no, I didn't just start shooting birds. He was cute. Mm-hmm. I often didn't work, and I don't know how this happened. Are you injured at all? Are you saying that you need any uh, attention? No, 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 I'm not injured. Okay. I only know myself. I'm in a panic right now. Jerry's only as good as the weakest link, honey. He had a leather strap to a metal chain. He's an idiot. Do you know what his name was? No. No? no. And I don't want to pursue it. I want to go home. Okay? I want to go home. I don't. That's it. I, I went with him. Of my own free will because I thought he was cute. I'm going to let it go. I don't know what he gave me. I don't know what, what, I don't know what transpired. And I'm just going to get myself in here to test. And I'm going to put this behind me. Okay? Please don't make an incident out of this. I work on a court system, and I do not want that. Please, I beg you. Okay. I, I'm i going to be honest with you. It's completely up to you and the officers. And I have no, you know, I have no pullover whether well, you're you doing anything or not. I'm just sending help if, for if you. If you go with somebody on your own free will, it's not kidnapping. So technically, he hasn't done anything wrong in the eyes of the law. I think he wants to just get me the hell out of here so I can go home. 
During his call to 911, John emphasized he in fact didn't want to press any charges. He just wanted to go home. John Doe then told the same things to police officers who responded to the call, and even told them his relationship was consensual with Mark. The police were a little stumped. On one hand, the situation was highly irregular. This didn't seem right. Perhaps there was more to the situation. But John stressed that he didn't want to press charges. And with that, the police officer's hands were tied. No charges, no crime, no investigation, no arrest. Officers drove John to a gas station a little ways from Mark's house, and John was allowed to go home. Even after this uncomfortable situation that John had found himself in, the missing hours of his night, being chained in a basement, it seems ridiculous, but John Doe was reported as returning to the home several times and occasionally for a few days at a time. The unidentified man didn't press charges, so he wasn't Mark Latunsky's only victim. November 2019, Bennington Township, Michigan. The details of how they met or how Mark Latunsky lured him in are unclear or mostly unknown. But when Mark met his second victim, another unidentified man, this time 29 years old, the end result was much the same. John Doe too woke up in Mark's basement and then escaped Mark's home, this time not carrying a knife but wearing a leather kilt. And as he burst through the front door of Mark's home, he frantically dialed 911 while he searched for help. Sherlock County 911. I get away from some creepy guy. He hadn't tied in his basement. I'm sorry, what's that? I'm trying to escape from some guy who had me chained up in his basement. He had you chained in his basement? Where are you calling from? I don't know. I am heading near this road. Are you I'm on? From here. Okay, hold on one second. Looks like you're on Tyrell Road. I could be. Are you walking? Yeah. Hold on one I second. I don't even have shoes on. 3562. You start for Tyrell Road just east of Morris Road. I don't know if I should try to go to someone's house. I don't know where I'm at. 6710 by 3562. Can you start for Tyrell just east of Morris Road? Okay, I'm, try I'm trying to put out a call. 6010, okay. you can start off for Tyrell. Just east of Morris Road, had a subject that was cleaned up in someone's basement, just fled the residence. He got on foot. He's after me. Okay, Z, I need you to go to somewhere safe. If you can run up to somebody's house. Where are you at right now? Are you getting are you able to get away? Help me. Help me. 6-2, he's running towards the house. 
guy's trying to come after him. I'm trying to get further. Okay, I need an address where you're at. I'm trying to get it. What's your address? I'm on the phone with the cops right now. What's their address? I need their address. He won't give me the address. Can you tell me what? I need their address. What What is your name? Are you outside or inside somebody's house? I'm trying to find someone to help me. Are you in the road? I have some state troopers that aren't very far away. I don't know where I'm, I'm on um, a white house across from like a barn. Okay, are you close to the road? Can you see an address on the mailbox? I'm too far away from the mailbox. I'm sorry? I'm too far away from the mailbox. I need you to give me an address so I can send the troopers to Okay. Look for a mailbox. Okay. Do you see a mailbox? Are you on the road? Yeah, I'm on the road now. 6, 2, and 12. He's running down the road. I'm trying to get an address or a mailbox or something. Kind of a miracle. See a mailbox and tell me what, what the address is. 910W. Uh, 910? Nine, nine, yeah. I think he's in front of 910 West Tyrell. Is that 910 Tyrell? <laughs> I'm on the call. What's your address? Let me talk. Can I talk to whoever you're talking to?
No, but I see the trooper right there. He just, yeah, trooper is right here. Okay, go ahead and talk to them, and I, you're going to have to point out where the, the house is at that you're in, okay? Okay. All right, go ahead and talk to the troopers there. Okay, so right. hang up. Yep, you can hang up with me. Okay. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Neighbors of Mark Latunsky saw the man, but were too afraid to help. All they knew was a man wearing a leather kilt was running rampant around the neighborhood and holding a bloody rag over his mouth. And during this 911 call, Mark was chasing down the 29-year-old unidentified man, trying to get him back in his home. And when police arrived to the scene, so did Mark, who had just caught up with his running victim. Mark claimed he was running after the man, only attempting to get back his $300 leather kilt. And when asked once again, Mark's second victim refused to press charges, preventing police from doing a thorough investigation. And with that, Mark and John Doe too left the police and returned to Mark's home. December 29th, Bennington Township, Michigan. Mark Litunsky, now 50 at the time, was on the Grinder app looking for a date and met a 25-year-old man named Kevin Bacon. If you don't know, Grinder is a dating app for same-sex hookups, dates, whatever it is those two individuals are looking for. So after meeting on the app and chatting, they agreed to have their first date on Christmas Eve. Kevin got ready, showering, dressing up, shaving, making sure he looked dapper for his date with Mark and told his roommate about his date before he grabbed his keys and rushed out the door. Again, many of the details are unclear as to what happened once the men met and returned to Mark's home. But when Kevin didn't show up for Christmas breakfast the next morning, which he would have never missed, let alone without some notice or a text, Kevin's family and roommate started to get concerned. They notified the authorities and swiftly police located Kevin's car in a parking lot in Clayton Township. Inside, they located his phone and other belongings, but no Kevin. Police were able to open and search the phone though, and that led them to Mark Latunsky. And on the 28th of December, police were granted a search warrant to Mark's home. But when they entered, they had no idea the horrific sight they were about to see. Right there before police was Kevin's body hanging from the rafters. Mark later told investigators that at some point he stabbed Kevin in the back and then slit his throat. From there, he tied Kevin's body up by his feet and hung him from the ceiling. Mark then mutilated Kevin's body, admitting to cutting off Kevin's testicles and eating them, thereby earning him the moniker of the Grinder Cannibal. Finally, after two previous would-be victims refused to press charges or tell police fully what had happened to them, Mark was arrested. Then there was a lot of speculation whether or not Mark Latunsky was sane enough to even stand trial. After an immense psychological evaluation, the State Center for Forensic Psychiatry determined that Mark was, in fact, not presently competent to stand trial. The case would have to be put on hold while Mark received treatment to try and improve his mental competency. The treatment consisted of a combination of counseling, medications, and assessments to try and regain any level of competency that would be satisfactory for an individual to stand trial. And if Mark was deemed competent in the next 15 months, then they would proceed to trial. However, if Mark Latunsky could not be restored to competency after 15 months, 
Then he would be turned over to face civil commitment proceedings and continue to receive treatment. For lack of a better word, the case would be temporarily dismissed against him. But in February 2020, Mark Letunsky was found unable to stand trial due to his inability to be competent enough, and Mark would remain in custody for the unforeseeable future, and there would be no trial. That's it for this episode of 911 Calls with Cole. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you learned something. I hope if you ever find yourself in a similar situation to either of the John Doe's, you say something. No matter how much of a hassle it seems, someone's life may depend on it. Have some feedback? Feel free to tweet at me at Tales by Cole on Twitter, or visit our Facebook group by searching Tales by Cole Podcast Discussion Group. You can also go to our brand new website, talesbycole.com, and contact me. Thanks for tuning in. Good night, stay healthy, stay safe, and don't forget to lock the doors.